You know how to book flights and hotels. All you're missing is a tool to help you plan that unbelievable travel experience. That's why you need Viator. Book guided tours, excursions, and more in one place. There are over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from, so you can find something for everyone. And Viator offers free cancellation and 24-7 customer support for worry-free travel. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator. Welcome to the Midweek Mailbag. In the middle of our Movember marathon stream here, Tuesday, December 5th. Uh, My name is Jeremy Reisman. We are back answering all of your questions here uh, live on twitch.tv slash pride of Detroit and youtube.com slash at pride of Detroit. You can find me at Detroit online on Twitter with me as always answering your Detroit Detroit Lions questions <laughs> as we enter week four. Is that right? 14. You got it. Oh my God. 14. Yeah. Uh, the man you hear the machine at Eric Schlitt on Twitter with a K of course, and two T's Eric Schlitt is here. Eric, how we doing buddy? <laughs> hey, uh, I feel like uh, I have a little more, a bit more energy than you do right now. Uh, you've been going pretty hard on this this morning. Um, hopefully, this this exciting round of questions that we're getting uh, from our twi- Twitch and YouTube chats will uh, get us, you know, energized. Yeah, absolutely. And if you want to participate in one of these in the future, if you're listening in the on the podcast feed, um, you can always tweet us questions. Uh, use the hashtag #AskPod, or I'll usually put out a call on Tuesday mornings and we usually record these Tuesday afternoons which we are actually doing right now as well so um let's get to it um there isn't a specific question about it now but we've gotten one a couple times this uh throughout this stream that we're doing today and I'm curious as to your thoughts on it um a lot of concern about Jmo's usage um mm. after the the past couple of games where it seems like he's finally turning a corner he's getting a lot of playing time but he's not getting the targets that some people at home want so First question to you, Eric, is do you think there's maybe a Jared Goff, Jameson Williams connection issue that maybe now resides a little bit more on the Jared Goff side? I think early on we said, you know, Jameson's maybe not running the right routes. He's not. The timing isn't there. Now it feels like Jameson's starting to figure some things out. Is maybe there more of an onus now on Jared Goff to maybe stop targeting Amon Ra and Sam Laporta so much and and start recognizing some of the other receivers on this roster, including Jameson Williams. I mean, maybe you can make that argument. I I completely understand, but this approach to offense has been a winning approach now for uh, over a year. And their approach is feed Amon Ra, feed your tight end, which is now looking like a steal of the draft sure. in San Laporta. Yep. And then everybody else gets a pretty even dist- distribution of looks. And when it was only Josh Reynolds and only Khalif Raymond, like we saw more targets. Now with JMO, we're seeing fewer targets across the board uh, amongst everyone else. And for JMO to increase, you're going to have to decrease them somewhere else, right? That's basically what you just said. So where is that decrease coming from? I don't know if I feel comfortable or if even the team would feel comfortable removing those targets from either um, Amon Ra or Sam Laporta because they're so highly productive and such integral parts of what they do. So you'd have to take 
snaps away or targets away from Josh, uh, which is only he's only got a couple of game, or you have to take him away from Khalif, which is only getting a couple of game, or you got to take him away from the running backs, which are only you know a couple of games. So the tar- the way that you probably increase JMO snaps because each of those guys are equally as important is you you maybe have to run less. Right. Right. And if you have if you run less, you have more passing opportunities. And that's how you get JMO more involved, because you're going to have design plays for him. We saw that with the end around against the Saints. And. Can you you, those are going to be there? You're still going to have at least one or two designed plays for JMO. How do you increase his his uses beyond that? It's probably run less. Yeah, that you kind of got at the point that I was going to make before before I had the opportunity to do, because. We just had this conversation with Brett Whitefield a little bit before the show started. Um, it does feel like maybe the Lions are getting, I don't, I don't want to say conservative. They're just kind of going into what they think their identity is, which is run the ball ton. Like this past script against the, the Saints is really interesting when you look at the touches, right? It's David Montgomery and everybody else. It's David Montgomery and Sam Laporta and everybody else. Even Amon Ra, two catches in this game. It, it felt like they they barely used Jameer Gibbs. I think he had eight rushes and one catch. Dave Montgomery didn't have any catches, uh, or he had one catch for for negative yardage. Um, Josh Reynolds gets two targets and and one catch. We we see JMO in the opening drive of the game. The only passing play of the opening drive of the game, he he gets that catch and doesn't get a catch the rest of the way. Um, that was, I think, an extreme version of what the Lions' yeah. identity is, and I think they like the matchup. The Saints had been bad against the run past few weeks. So it's understandable that they went to that matchup, but it sounds like they might be without Frank rag now for at least a little bit, at least this week, maybe a little bit more beyond this week. And so Mm -hmm. to me, maybe that signals let's change our offensive strategy a little bit. And, Mm -hmm. and it's a dangerous move because like you said, they've been very good. They they put up 30 some points against the saints. They've been good all year with the run game being a pretty integral piece of what they do, but you're going to have one liability out there on the offensive line this week whether it's Colby Sorzel, whether it's Coyote, whoever it is, th- there's going to be a liability out there. And granted, that's also going to be a, li- a liability in pass protection too, right? You have to you have to protect your quarterback, but you have pass protecting running backs that are capable. You have tight ends that are capable of, of playing fullback, apparently. Uh, we learned about Sam Laporta this past week. <laughs> um, I think it's, it's, it's an opportunity to get a little bit more downfield aggressive against this Bears team. Now, it's a good Bears team. It's a good Bears defense, I should say. Well, good Bears defense against the run. Yeah. Right? Yeah. I mean, they're they're really good against the run, which is right. why I, I tend to agree that this is a this may be a week to do it. Right. Yeah. The Bears are only giving up 3.4 yards per rushing attempt, which is second best in the league. They're only giving up 79 rushing yards a game. That's number one in the league. Yeah. Um, and the but they're also opponents aren't running on them as much because they're passing on them. And I think that the Lions can fall into suit with that, right? Because we said it last time when we previewed the Bears, if you want to get into a shootout with the Bears, you can win, right? Because the Bear, but that means passing more, right? Right. Like the Bears' pass defense is uh, 29th in the league in, in, uh, in completion percentage, 21 in the league in yards against, 25th in the league in total yard passing yards against. And so like they're in the bottom eight, right? In pretty much most of the passing categories and they're in the top five in most of the rushing defense categories. So this is this is the week if you want to open things up a little bit in the passing game. 
I'd love for them to do it. And they're also one of the least sacking teams. And I think they're either 32nd, 31st or 30th in sacks, although they are trending upwards in that category ever since they added, uh, what's his name? 32nd. Yep. Montez Sweat. Sweat. That's right. Um, all right. Next question uh, comes from our buddy Uncle Indigo on Twitch. Asks a very simple question: What's a more important need right now, corner or edge? I, I think they're they might both be equally important. But if you're talking about which one should you prioritize, there's two different schools of thought. the The first school of thought, the more traditional school of thought, is you take the guy closer to the ball. Because the guy closer to the ball impacts the play sooner than the guy that's that's off the ball. The more new age school of thought is you take a def- you take the secondary defender because the passing game the NFL has shifted towards the passing game so much more that having a guy that can shut down half of the field allows the other half of the field to do a variety of different things. They can play zone, they can play man, they can do whatever, and that that becomes more valuable because eventually the pass rush will get home if you have a good secondary. So with this, with the Lions, I believe they're more of the old school approach, which is they they want to get home on the passer first. That's where we've seen them invest money at the same time. Their schematic approach is if the de- eventually the, off, the defensive line will get there if the secondary is good enough. And so it's almost like, they have a couple different ways of approaching it. And I do think that the scheme will adjust to the players. So that's why I default to what will Brad Holmes do. And history says Brad Holmes would take the edge guy before the corner. And so that's where I would lean towards this team focusing in the off season. I, I think it's corner and I think there's a couple of reasons for it. I, I do agree with everything you said. I think the lines have more capable bodies edge right now and they're not good, but like, to be fair, Romeo's probably not on this team next year. Julian's probably not on this team next year. Charles is probably not on this team. It's going to be a need, but yes. you still have Aiden. You still have yep. Josh Pascal. You're, you're hopefully going to have James Houston healthy. John Kaminsky. Year. John Kaminsky is, is going to stick around on this team, even though he's maybe been a little bit less effective this year than last year. There are bodies there. Corners is entirely like I, I don't know what they can hand, hang their hat on right now at corner. You know, I I do think Cam Sutton's getting a little bit unfairly buried because honestly, he's a CB2 rather than a CB1 and he's forced to be CB1. Jerry Jacobs, I think we've all kind of come to terms here that he's probably your best first guy off the bench than he is a starter. You have Brian Branch and you're you're pretty darn happy about that. You've got some issues in, in at the safety position right now, but that's, I guess we're not going to include that in the conversation, but, but who do you have beyond that? Like even like imagine if, if if either Sutton or Jerry Jacobs goes down now, like it's happened before and it's Will Harris or Mm -hmm. it's, I don't even know beyond that. (laughs) It's not great. Um, So to me, in terms of just the numbers game, cornerback is a, is a bigger need. Uh, so the other the, really quick, the, the, the other argument here for me is also good corners are more scarce in this league. There are a lot of capable edge rushers in the NFL, in the first round, in the second round. If you're talking about drafting an edge, you can get one that can be a good starter. Even I would say in the second round, the top corners in this league go off the board quicker and quicker. I know it didn't used to be this way, 
but they're starting to go off quicker and quicker because they're so scarce because a top corner in this, it is, it is the hardest position to play in football. Mm-hmm. And there are only a, a, a few people who are cut out for it. I mean, there are some people that are good corners, but not good NFL corners. And and I know you were just talking about one before we went live here in Singstrill. Like he's a he's a phenomenal corner, but is he going to be a good NFL corner at his size? I don't know. And so one, if you find that diamond in the rough, you're going to be in. I mean, you 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 carry that guy as long as you possibly can. Mm-hmm. Um. And so, so I think, I think in terms of scarcity of good corners and scarcity of good corners currently on this roster, that makes it the bigger need for me. If you look at Brad Holmes' history and where he's been influenced, um, you know, with his time with the Rams, yeah. uh, last offseason, I went back and I looked at the Rams' history of adding cornerbacks and basically what it pointed to was um, the Rams would typically sign their starters in free agency uh, and, and they didn't, they would spend on draft capital, but they didn't often spend draft capital on guys that they were expecting to be starters. Okay. And when you look at what they did last off season, Brad Holmes himself he spent on corners in free agency, right? And so my, again, if I'm basing this off of history, it sure looks like Brad Holmes would probably prefer to spend on an edge rusher in the draft and, and then go after a corner in free agency. The issue is there's not a lot of good corners in free agency this year because of right. what you said. They're hard to you come hold by. On to them. Yep. And so I don't know if there's a corner out there that I'm going to be like, they got to go after this guy. They got to go after this guy. You know what I mean? Like you may be saying the answer to our problem is Emmanuel Mosley re-signing Emmanuel Mosley and re-signing Jerry Jacobs, who I think is restricted, if I'm not mistaken. Um, I can double check. But there's not like a corner that's going to be out there this year that's going to be a, if you sign him, then you've got your CB1 type of thing. Yeah, Jerry's restricted. So I wonder if Brad Holmes will change that approach. Um, it may be that his preference is to, to sign a guy, but if the guy's not there, then maybe he does flip it. And because uh, I think if we learned anything from Brad in this past draft, it's that he's not married to having to do build a team a certain way. Like he's going to take players that he think are going to work with the team, regardless of what position they play. And so, I think that is going to be, we could see while history says he, he would prioritize the edge. I don't know if that's necessarily going to hold true in this draft. I agree. Um, we got another question. It scrolled off my feed, so I don't have who asked it, but it was basically <clears throat> along the lines of, do you think that maybe the Lions' inactiveness at the trade deadline has caused a rift between coaching and the front office? And I think we can nip that in the bud of no. Almost certainly not. But yeah. again, this is something we talked about earlier in, in the, the marathon stream here. But let I, I do want to talk about 
the trade deadline and kind of relitigate that because I, I feel like a lot of Lions fans are looking at the defensive struggles right now and saying, see, I told you they, they needed to add a defensive player and they didn't. And now mm. they're suffering the consequences of it. So what is your response to that? Do you agree? Do you have a rebuttal? What are your thoughts now that we're almost a full month removed from the, we are a full month removed from the trade deadline and all that the lines have to show for it is a, a wide receiver. They're not throwing it to. <laughs> um, well, if Amon Ra doesn't get his hands on that one, it, there was one pass that would have went to uh, People's Jones. Um, That's right. But um, my rebuttal is, I think the Lions didn't want to give up a top 100 pick for any player, period, because we've seen what Brad Holmes can turn those picks into, and those picks are part of of the foundation that you build for the long term. And that's really where Brad Trim's focus was. I think they went in saying we're willing to deal our day three picks all willy nilly, which he's done often. Uh, But I just don't think they saw the benefit of dealing away a potential guy who could be a foundation piece for a guy who could help them now and maybe won't be a foundation piece as part of their future. And so would it be nice to have uh, like a Montez sweat? Absolutely. But the cost benefit of it, giving up draft picks, I don't think was in their game plan. Signing him long term then takes money away from you being able to sign other team, other players long term. Like like Jonah Jackson would probably be off the table if they would have won after sweat. And then you would have given up a second round pick as well. Um, maybe even a second round pick more play because the Lions second round pick is going to be in could be in the 60s whereas the Bears second round pick is going to be in the 30s right Right. so you may have had to give it up more than a second round pick then you're losing your ability to resign and you're mortgaging a player that's part of the foundation for the future and I don't think that was something the Lions were in consideration of because as you've said several times over the last month this team isn't a player away from making the push yeah yeah and that's that's important to know and that's why that's why they didn't make one of those like one off, you know, half year rentals. Like, I, I, I don't I don't know how much of a difference that really would have made anyways. And I think that's how the lines feel. We weren't going to give up a second, third, fourth round pick for a half season rental. I think the conversation is a little bit different with Montez Sweat because he's young, because you were basically agreeing if you're trading for him, you're also going to give him an extension and he's going to be part of your long term plan. And so this was kind of a unique opportunity to get ahead of you know, free agency or or the draft and say, hey, let's stake our claim on the future right now and get a guy who will help us both in the immediate and in the future, because are the Lions going to have an opportunity this offseason to add a player at the caliber of Montez Sweat in the draft in free agency? I don't know. But the problem is, as you pointed out, you are bidding against the Chicago Bears who have deep pockets right now. They have deep pockets in terms of their draft capital. They have deep pockets in terms of their free their, their free agency money to spend. And so you are going to have to outbid an NFC North rival that is willing to dig their, their pocket deep into their pockets and overpay, if we're being completely honest. They, they, they overpaid for Montez Sweat, I think, both in terms of draft capital and in terms of extension money. Now, yep. I'm not saying yep. that's a bad yep. move necessarily for them. They could afford to do that. But it would not have been smart for the Lions to do the exact same thing, in my opinion, because of everything you just said. It it suddenly hampers your ability to extend a bunch. The Bears don't have a bunch of players they want to extend right now. They they wouldn't do it to Jalen Johnson, right? Like Jalen Johnson wants right. an extension. They're like, no, 
He's their best corner too. He's yeah. he might be their best player in their whole secondary. Right. Um, and so they they don't they want to get younger. And and granted, Montez Sweat isn't necessarily getting younger, but he's still young. Um, and and so they were able to make this kind of big splash move that I think the Lions were more reluctant to do because they have they're they're still in a good salary cap situation. They still have good draft capital as well. Um, but they're they're not in the same situation as the Chicago Bears. So just because they made the move doesn't mean it was the right move for the Lions as well. All right, let's take a break there. When we come back, more of your Lions questions when we come back here on the special charity marathon edition of the Midweek Mailbag. We'll be right back. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Welcome back to the midweek mailbag here in the middle of our Movember stream. Uh, this happened. This seems to happen every year, Eric. But while we're in the middle of this Movember marathon stream, news breaks. And this isn't yeah. massive news, but it's important news. And I think it also gives us a hint into some injury situations. But literally in our break, uh, the Lions are reports have dropped that the Lions are signing defensive tackle Tyson Alualu to the practice squad. Um, a veteran 36 year old, another, another 36 year old on the defensive line, which is getting rapidly older, uh, by the <laughs> minute here. Um, but before we even get to Tyson Alu, I think we can both agree. This is probably a reaction to the Aleem McNeil injury, which we don't know the exact specifics of, but he, you know, he left the game on two different occasions during the saints, Dan Campbell, uh, and his Monday press conference says, yeah, it looks like he's probably going to miss some time. So Rough news there. Um, mm-hmm. Aleem has been one of the few, I would say maybe three or four defensive players on this roster that are actually playing at a very high level right now. A massive loss, you know, both literally and physically. Um, so I, I, what's your reaction to this news? How concerning should Lions be, Lion fans be going into these final five game stretch with with maybe out McNeil for a certain period of time? Well, I do wonder if this is a precursor to them making a move with uh, uh, Quentin Bahana, right? Sure. Um, while the McNeil news is potentially the catalyst for them making a decision now, um, if Bohana ends up being signed to the roster, which we think is a realistic situation because he's already been elevated three times, you now have a veteran defensive tackle who is a run stopper who – is now available for potential elevation again, or maybe, uh, you know what I mean? So like it's adding depth because if they, if they are going to elevate Bohana to the active roster, you're going to need some, some, some depth on the practice squad in order to help sustain. So this could simply be, or this could be a direct 
oh no, we're worried about Aleem. We need more depth. This could be a Bohana is taking a spot of someone else and therefore we need more. Depth. It's it's hard to exactly say right now which one it is. Uh, but at the end of the day, they're adding another veteran with uh for from uh for for depth purposes. Now, is he going to be able to be as impactful as Bruce Irvin is coming off? That's hard to say, right? Like he's right. He hasn't, he's, he's been off uh, for a full season. He had like Bruce Irvin got a couple of weeks to get right, right. back into shape. So is he going to get those, is Alualu uh, going to get the same couple of weeks to get into shape? Um, he didn't have as good of a season last year as, as uh, Irvin did, right? Like Irvin had been consistently productive, whereas Alualu had a bit of a dip. And so I think there's a lot of unknowns, uh, yeah. but it's at, at a minimum, it looks like a depth move uh, at a if you with the potential to maybe be someone they need to rely on a little bit more. Yeah, I think I think that point about whether he's going to be able to contribute immediately or not is, is going to be one of the more fascinating things to look at, because the line demo is no like he there's no way he's going to start this week. That's that's right. How the lines do. But if it if it is a reaction to a McNeil's injury and I, I tend to think it is just based on body type, like he's a 300 pound guy, not a 340 pound guy. He's not a, a, a nose tackle. He's not a guy that, that fills in for Bohana or, or Benito or any of those guys, in my opinion. Mm-hmm. Um, and so if Aleem is down, who is, who is the guy that steps in in your, in your three tech? Is it Levi? Are you ready? Levi. Yeah. Levi, or you lean on Kaminsky and Pascal to yeah. kick inside a little bit more. Like you start using those guys at a higher level. Right. Um, and you, and you're using both of them on the field at the same time, instead of just one that can kick in. So I, I do think they have options. Levi is the most one for one, uh, you know, switch, I guess like makes yeah. more sense. One for one. And I think they probably go to Levi before they go to someone they just signed. Right. Um, but again, he could still be elevated from a depth perspective as well. Yeah. So they may still need him to, to be available. I, I think that's a bit of an unknown. The the lean situation definitely complicates things. Yeah. Uh, it, it just, it seems to me like we're headed towards an Aleem McNeil. I mean, it, it's, it's going to be a zero to a hundred situation with him because Aleem's playing 60, 70% of the snaps and, and, are, you're probably not going to give 100% of those to Levi, right? You're probably going to do some of the things you said where you right. mix in Kaminsky, you mix in um, Pascal, whatever. Yeah. Um, but but I feel like they're going to have to rely on on uh, Levi this weekend, and that's a that's a big ask. It's a big ask. And yeah, especially a, a significant downgrade if we're going to be completely honest. No, certainly. I mean, like Aleem is their best interior pass rusher and it's not close. Like there's yeah. Aleem and then the, the gap between him and the next best guy is pretty significant. So, um, I mean, Levi's been a healthy scratch a couple of times this year. I think that speaks to, you know, how they kind of view how they view him. But if Aleem is out, it's it's probably will be Levi's opportunity to step up. All right. Next question here comes from badbuilds.com. Free promo for you there. Uh, it says, what would you say to all the Lions fans who are still naysayers about the team this season? Uh, I, like, get, I like this get, question because it feels like there's a lot of them. Yeah. I mean, I, I would, I would 
point to a guest that we're going to have later uh, this afternoon or this evening in our uh, all day charity stream. And that's Dan Miller, who says you got to get comfortable being uncomfortable. And I think that's still an adjustment period for for a lot of fans. It's um, a lot of people are are maybe justifiably waiting for the other shoe to drop because that's what's always happened in the past. Um, and it's hard to, it's hard to let go of some of those, you know, feelings that you've had in the past. Yeah. Like, I mean, it's, 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 I understand bracing for, or being cautious and bracing for something bad or, nitpicking when you are expecting something bad. So you're looking for something bad. So you're focusing on something bad, right? I feel like there's a lot of that going on. A lot of people saying, how is this team going to collapse and hurt me again? Oh, look, they're not doing this good. Let me focus everything on that because I know that's what's going to hurt this team. They're as bad as their defense or as much as their defense has struggled in the last four games. They're three and one in their last four games because they're still finding ways to win. Right. So get comfortable being uncomfortable. Yeah. And I think my, my answer is, is looking at the bigger picture, Um, looking back, like maybe go back. And if you posted a comment on pride of Detroit or tweeted something out in the off season about expectations for the 2023 season, 2023 season, revisit those expectations. What, what was a successful season to you back in March? back in April, back in May, because I think for most of you, the answer was win the division. And the Lions are a 92, 93, 95 chance, percent chance to win the division right now. So if they win the division, I know, I know suddenly the goalposts move. That, that, that's to me where I think the mistake is happening. We got very high on this team when they started, you know, five and one, six and one, seven and two, whatever it was. And and understandably so. They were playing really, really good football. They were beating bad teams at a very good rate. But I'm not sure if that ever was sustainable. Um, I think I think we're seeing the defensive regression that that most people expected. Um or not most people, but some people expected. And we're living in it now. And I know you want the lines to jump on this opportunity. You're you you it looks like the the Packers are trending up, maybe the Bears are trending up, the Vikings will see. And so you want this is the NFC North. We, we we're taking it, and 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 we can't just take it. Like we need to use this opportunity. We're gonna have a home playoff game. What if we lose a home playoff game? Then our playoff drought. Slow down, slow down, everybody. <laughs> the the Lions winning a division is a huge step for this franchise, and they are on the precipice of doing that. We need to walk before we can run here, and and I'm not saying they aren't capable of then winning a playoff game and and making a championship run this year. It's within the realm of possibilities. Anything is possible once you get to the dance. But to be like, if, if you are sitting here thinking it's a failed season, if this team doesn't win a playoff game, you know, a home playoff game. Slow your roll a little bit. It's, it's a single elimination tournament and weird things happen. And yeah, it's okay to expect them to be playing better football than they are now, but it's, it's irrational. I think to be upset, irate when they are still winning football games against teams that are like, and again, let's revisit these last few weeks. Let's revisit the Packers game. Do you feel any different about it now that they've beaten the chiefs that the chiefs defense, one of the best in the league had made, made Jordan love look like the superstar that, that every single Packers fan is, is 100% convinced he is. 
<laughs> the Chicago Bears defense that gave the Lions hell for three and a half quarters shut down a Vikings offense that was suddenly looking like maybe they had turned a corner with a backup quarterback. It's a week-to-week league, and I'm not excusing bad play on the defense. It's bad. But this team, I mean, I, let, let's also remember how, where this defense was last year. 32nd in the league in every category. Right now, they're 10th in DVOA. They might be playing a little bit more towards that 32nd than they did at the beginning of the season, but they're 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 making progress everywhere else. They're still keeping their head above water, and they're finding ways to win football games. All that is the only thing that matters right now. They're winning football games. And and yes, if they play like they 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 currently are, they're not going to be the Dal- beat the Dallas Cowboys. They're not going to beat the Philadelphia Eagles. They're not going to beat the San Francisco 49ers. Still a month of football to be played. I think they took a step in the right direction defensively last week against the Saints. Let's see where it goes. And enjoy it. I keep saying this at the end of every POD Direct video. Sit back and enjoy this a little bit. You are witnessing Lions football that no one has seen in 60 years. Mm. A nine and three football team. If you can't sit back and enjoy that, you are never going to be happy. Unless, I mean, until this team wins a Super Bowl. And we don't know if that's ever going to come. So just, just learn to enjoy this a little. You can be concerned. You can have criticisms. But don't forget to enjoy this. This is supposed to be fun. This is what so many people have been waiting for for years. How many times? How many t-shirts have printed out just one before I die? <laughs> the trajectory of this team is still up. Mm. All right. Whew. That was a long rant. I need I need <laughs> I need a break. Um they have, right. they, they have nine wins this season. They had nine wins all of last season. Right. Yeah. Right. There you go. Like this is this is a team that is, like you said, trending up. There's a lot of positive things to be happy about. And if you look across the league, not every team has flaws. OK, to expect that they don't that the Lions don't have flaws, I think, is is naive. There are going to be flaws. No matter what you do in the offseason, your team is going to have flaws. The NFL is about overcoming those flaws. Look, the Chiefs are eight and four. You brought them up, right? Chiefs have a worse record than the Lions right now. Enjoy the spot that they're in. 100%. Um, Ryan Toledo, Detroit, in our Twitch chat. Uh, this might be the last one we we do because we we're <laughs> because I didn't realize I was going on a 10 minute speech there. Um, says, do you see changes in offensive tendencies coming? Playing more on first step, more for playing for more first downs and less thinking about manageable third and fourth downs. Also maybe higher early down pass rate, more shot plays to start drives, or is this all intended to hold on to time of possession and protect the defense? Lions are number are fourth in the league in time of possession right now. They, mm-hmm. they like to control the game. They like to control it on offense and on defense and they're built that way, right? Their offensive line is built to control their defensive line is they play contained to try and slow everything down. They focus on stopping the run to try and slow everything down. So I think that is an overarching philosophy that they're going to want to continue. And I think they're going to carry that with them all the way through the rest of the season. Yeah, I'm with you. It's going to drive me crazy every, every single Saturday, Saturday and Sunday. It's going to drive me crazy. All the early down runs, 
It's going to drive me crazy when they run more draw plays on third and medium to get into a manageable fourth down and occasionally pick it up on third down. I mean, they're, they're, they're going to pick up some of those. Um, and, and it's frustrating to me because I, I just per- personally believe, I don't think that's the way offenses are, are most efficient, but I understand it also plays into the lions strength, right? Their offensive line is a strength. Their David Montgomery breaking tackles is a strength. Jameer Gibbs being able to break out 30 yard runs in an instant is a strength of this team. But the problem is, I think they also have strengths elsewhere. I think I think the strong offensive line means you can protect Jared Goff for longer. You have Jamison Williams, who is starting to break out and do all the little things right, being where he is when he's supposed to be there, to be a big play threat. You have Amon Ross St. Brown. You have Sam Laporta breaking rookie tight end records. I need more. You want to run the ball in first down to gain four or five yards to get into second and manageable. How about you get eight yards from Sam Laporta every time you throw the ball? That's then you're in a second and two and you can do, guess what? You can run it then, or you can run play action on second and two because you're a team that everyone thinks is going to run it on second and two. Here's I, why I, I don't I want them to be a little bit more aggressive. I, I hear you at the same time. They won't though. <laughs> they've scored. They've scored 33, 22, yeah. 31 right. and 41 points in their last four games. It, if they don't need to push it, they're going to con- they're going to want to control so that yeah. they can dictate what happens because the offense, as much as we want them to be more aggressive because we know what they're capable of, they've scored thirty one points or more in three of the last four games. Like yeah. they can still put the points up and they can still run shootouts with anybody. It's a fair point. Very valid, fair point. Um, all right, uh, do we have time for one more? Uh... No, I'm going to say no. We're pushing it. (laughs) I'm just going to, I'm going to make, I know that's an awkward end to a podcast, but you know what? It's been a crazy day. We've already been live here for six hours and we got nine more ahead of us. So if you, if you haven't already, uh, it's probably too late to donate to the Movember cause. So I'm just going to say, if you're listening to the podcast, thank you so much for all of this, all of you that that did support us. Uh, We've already break broken records. And and by the time you've listened to this, I'm sure we've broken it even further um, we, we couldn't do any of this, the podcast, the, the live streaming, the charity donations, uh, without the support of every single one of you. And it means the world to us because it makes this job so much more fun and, and satisfying, uh, with the crazy support of every single one of you. So for Eric, for myself, thank you. Seriously. Thank you. More to-dos, less time, and an infinite number of tools to keep track of. Sometimes doing business has never felt harder, but you don't need a miracle to hit your goals. You can just use HubSpot because their all-in-one customer platform can make growing your business infinitely easier. Imagine this, high-quality leads, fast-closing deals, wildly happy customers, and more benchmark-breaking quarters. It's not a miracle, it's HubSpot. Visit HubSpot.com to get started today.